Ian. Ian, I'm back. But I'm looking back. A, bit, a, a bit tired, a bit peaky, a bit sweaty. Uh, yeah. What have you been up to? So, so you know how last time I, uh, I said I was going to uh, do a run and, and get really fit to emulate my hero? Yeah, I thought I'd see you like doing laps of, you know, the the Amobius loop that's part of the ge- brainwaves geometry but yeah i i i didn't see it i must have taken a left turn um at the the wrong part of the mobius loop i, I think it said albuquerque on the uh, signpost i uh, i ended up running down all the way to london um ah. took me a while and uh i had no money uh so i right. had to, i had to walk back uh, but I, but i got to the orc's nest uh, it was very nice uh i Ooh. I'm fine. I'm fine. Orcs Nest was great. I didn't buy any board games because you know I didn't have any money, and I couldn't really go on the subway and pay with you know a copy of Blades in the Dark. You could steal some money, you know, learn the lessons of Blades in the Dark. Yeah. I'm a I'm a upstanding citizen, Ian. How dare you? I'm here to do the podcast. Don't worry. I might just have a blocked nose and sound absolutely fine if I just take a sip of this tea. Well. Sit down and tell the fine folks who are listening to this for the first time who you are, then. Hi there, I'm Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister. And this is Brainwaves episode 84, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 18th of October, 2021. Twitch hack reveals critical information. Workers of Paizo unite. And the Juego Delano award announced. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. On Wednesday, the 6th of October, a hacker posted a huge amount of data, about 125 gigabytes, stolen from streaming site Twitch. Data included the site's source code, info on the company's mobile, desktop and console clients, and it also leaked a potential Steam competitor that Amazon was working on called Vapor. But let's get on to why we, a tabletop news podcast, are covering this. Some of the data that was leaked included the earnings of the top streamers on the site. Their earnings were over the period from August 2019 to October 2021, and the top earner were RPG streamers Critical Role with a whopping $9,626,712.16. Extremely accurate. Considering that Twitch is primarily a site dominated by computer game streamers, that is quite an achievement. The next d- streamer down is about a million and two dollar, million two hundred thousand below that amount. We aren't done with Critical Role quite yet, though. A recent article in Variety peeled back the curtains to look behind the scenes at this role-playing behemoth. We thoroughly recommend giving that a read. It's quite an interesting little look behind the scenes at Critical Role. Also, as Jamie has just reminded me, this might be a good time to change your Twitch password and enable two-factor authentication if you're on the site. Please do that. Yeah, even if you don't use your Twitch account very often, that might mean it still might get used by somebody uh, used in a hate raid and be banned through no fault of your own, except that, you know, it it's there. Indeed. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting... I generally forget that Twitch is owned by Amazon. If they got into Twitch, could they also get into Amazon servers? I mean, what isn't on Amazon servers these days? Uh, But yes, that's an extraordinary amount of money that Critical Role are making through Twitch. And let's not forget that is merely the tip of the iceberg for that particular live play series. 
Uh, they have got all sorts of tie-ins with Dungeons and Dragons. The Variety article talks about them still having control of their own IP, so they're obviously getting quite a lot of money through that. And they have many spin-off shows as well under the Critical Role umbrella. So they really are an absolute juggernaut uh, with no signs of slowing down. Congratulations, I guess. I don't know how to, to link into that. I didn't really want, know what to add. I'm just like, I've no. not seen it. I've heard it's very popular. Great. Fine. They're, they're professional voice actors. They know what they're doing. Fine. And yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, 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 do, I do actually think it's a good thing that Critical Oral is on top of that. It's interesting to see a sort of tabletop show being out the big computer game streamers. It's, that's fascinating to me. Anyway, Jamie, we've got some updates from the world of Paizo. On our last podcast, we delved into the firing of staff and accusations of abuse at Paizo Publishing, the publisher of RPG Pathfinder, amongst many other games. Despite, or perhaps because of, the response to the firings from the management of Paizo, more than 30 employees have formed a union. They've done this in combination with the Communication Workers of America. The workers have been organising for some time, but the firing of Sarah Marie and the departure of Diego Valdez has spurred them into action. This is a first for the tabletop role-playing game industry. In the letter they published, they state, These events, referring to the firing, as well as internal conversations among Paizo workers, have uncovered a pattern of inconsistent hiring practices, pay inequity across the company, allegations of verbal abuse from executives and management, and allegations of harassment ignored or covered up by those at the top. These findings have further galvanised the need for clearer policies and stronger employee protections to ensure that Paizo staff can feel secure in employment. The letter goes on to say, Paizo's workers are underpaid for their labour, required to live in one of the most expensive cities in the United States, and subjected to untenable crunch conditions on a regular basis. Further to that, sales manager Cosmo Iselli said, uh, accompanying the statement, I love my job, I love my co-workers, and I love the company I work for. I get to sell a game that I love to a community that I love. I come from a pro-union family, and I believe that unionising Paizo will be the best way to protect the people, company, and community that I love. Now, Paizo have not officially responded to this union formation, nor have they officially recognised it at time of recording. As with the previous unionization uh, of kickstarter employees we will update you as this story progresses i mean you may have already gathered this about me i think this is fantastic fantastic well done paizo well done paizo employees not paizo the company not yet well done paizo employees just worth noting that we're recording on the 15th of october the cast will be going out on the 18th of october but just to give that a little bit context in case paizo say something between now and the time of the uh, the edit going out i mean we've seen kickstarter unionized in the last year a massive tech company that was a first as well uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, employee disruption across the united states for the benefit of the employees so there's workers at kellogg's and various other big companies trying to unionize trying to get better conditions or, or just walking off their jobs because they're fed up with the high pressure, low pay environment that they're working in. So it's great to see people unionize come together to help each other up. I, th- I think it's fantastic. And I hope Paizo recognize the union. I hope we see more of this in the tabletop industry. Yeah, because it turns out that working jobs that you don't like from money that is terrible is not a good incentive for people to work. And it's so good to see people doing this. Indeed. Now, Ian, Ian, I... I'm going to pass you this. I'm going to pass you this very special 
bit of clothing. Uh, it is the awards Homburg. I, I don't feel I can do it this week. Here you go. Just be very careful with it. It's weighted down with... Uh, oh, it is heavy, yeah. Yeah, it's weighted down yeah. with uh, the the uh, the authority of, of the many awards is, seasons is that, that it's covered. Is that why your shoulders are so hunched all the time? Is it, the, is it the weight of the hats? I thought we agreed not to discuss that on the podcast. Uh, I'm dreadfully sorry. Yes, Game of the Year nominees in Spain have been announced. The, the Juego del Ano. Those nominees are Kingdom Builder, designed by Donald X. Vaccarino and published by Devier. Micro Macro Crime City, designed by Johannes Sich and published by SD Games. Palio, designed by Peter Rustemeyer and published by Devier. The Red Cathedral, designed by Celia Santos and Israel Sindredo, also publisher, published by Devier. And Unmatched, designed by Rob Davio, Craig Van Ness, Justin Jacobson and J.R. Honeycutt, published by TCG Factory. Worth noting that out of all anomalies, all but one were released within the last two years, with Kingdom Builder being released in 2011. There's also a list of 16 recommended games put forward by the jury. Uh, the winner was announced on the 9th of October during the online convention, and that winner was Kingdom Builder. Good to see an older game take the top spot. You know, it's, it's still kicking about, although the requirements for the Juego del Ano are that a game needs to be published for the first time in Spanish or in Spain. And you go, hold on. We did a quick Google before we started. 23% of the world, or the population of the world even, speak Spanish. That's a, that's a lot of customers. It's a lot of customers. And it makes you realize how... The only word I can think of is Anglo-centric, but it's not in the England sense. It's the English I, I would assume the Kingdom Builder would have been out in Spanish long before now, but I mean, I guess rights and everything pass between different companies for publishing as well. That sort of thing can take some time to unravel. Uh, but yeah, uh, quite extraordinary to see. Uh, I mean, Kingdom Builder was well regarded at the time when it was released, so I can see why it might have taken that award now because it's it's a very well regarded game, got a good reputation. But yeah, yeah, quite an interesting on that. And I sort of hadn't realised that it took so long for some games to come out in different languages, which is a bit of an eye-opener. Just We just got to remember that we're very lucky and we have that privilege. Indeed. And after our headlines, let's get on to some updates and then the news. Jamie, the Broken Token are still broken? Now, back in episode 80, we covered the controversy around Broken Token and the behaviour of their CEO. Broken Token are a US-based company that make MDF inserts for games. Now, at the time, several large publishers announced they were ending their relationship with Broken Token and seeking new insert providers for their games. One of those, Cephalofair Games, who had a tie with Broken Token for an insert for their up-and-coming game, Frosthaven. That's now in the bin, as they've gone into business with Folded Space. Folded Space inserts are very good. I've reviewed them on the site. They're excellent. Well, there you go. Consequence culture at work. Indeed. And a little update from Ian about that most algorithmic of games, Keyforge. Yes, back in episode 82, we looked at the recent announcement from Fantasy Flight Games that the Keyforge algorithm had broken, and the confused looks that had garnered from most of the community and anyone with a partial, uh, partial knowledge of how computers work. 
Now, more details have emerged about what has happened at the company. First reported by Steve Bonacore on the Game Insider podcast, episode 210, it seems that Fancy Flight Games has been the victim of a ransomware attack. This has been backed up by posts on Reddit claiming that sources inside Fancy Flight Games have been telling members of the community that there was a ransomware attack in the spring. These posts also claim that the hack was one of the reasons that Unfathomable, the recent board game released as a remake of the Battlestar Galactica board game, has different art. Apparently, some of the ransomware attacks hit the art assets the Fancy Flight have. According to the post on Reddit, when the attack happened, anything that wasn't in production or in home computers was fair game. It does seem unfathomable, see what I did there, that a company the size of Fancy Flight Games would not regularly back up their servers. It's just it's astonishing, really. Now, one of the things I realized was that if this is true and their art assets are basically behind a paywall that they're not willing to pay for or can't get back the arkham files games like arkham horror board game uh, eldritch horror and my favorite the arkham horror lcg all have very common art assets between them and therefore that might be why unfathomable looks the way it does unfathomable has a different set of art that from all the other arkham files games which was welcome you know it's nice to see new art but maybe that's the reason it has it a little bit of speculation in there but all the although these posts are from reddit and nothing has been confirmed by Fancy Flight. There's several different sources and several different people saying the same thing. So we're pretty certain this is accurate at this point. We'll bring you more updates as that comes. But uh, yeah, nothing from Fancy Flight at the moment. And friendly neighborhood reminder to back up your files. Let's repeat that for those who may forget. Back up your files, please. Anyway, Jamie, a little bit of a somber start to the news. Yes. It was announced on the 12th of October that CEO of Hasbro, Brian Goldner, had died after a long battle with cancer. Goldner joined the company in 2000 and was appointed CEO in 2008. His tenure saw the company transition from being a traditional toy maker into the realm of gaming, films and television. Wizards of the Coast have released a statement on the announcement. We at Wizards are immensely saddened to hear about the passing of our longtime CEO, Brian Goldner. Brian was a bold leader and a true visionary who believed in the power of games to make a positive difference in the world and the lives of children, families and fans. There was no bigger champion of our mission to inspire creativity, spark passion, forge friendships and foster communities around the world than Brian. And the vision he shared with us was transformative for our company, our teams and our industry. His mark is indelible. Those of us who have been fortunate enough to work with him will forever be grateful for his mentorship, wisdom, and unflagging positivity. As we mourn, we will also remember all the good, the smiles, the friends gathered around tables, the parents and children crowded around toys on their carpet, and all the communities and people in need that Brian's philanthropy helped to positively impact. Wizards and Hasbro will continue our mission to inspire a lifetime love of games, whilst never losing sight of Brian's vision to create a world where every child, family, and fan can experience hope, kindness and joy that was a message from the president of wizards of the coast chris cox and the thoughts of the whole team are with mr goldner's family and friends at this this really difficult time
Continuing our run of chess news, it has been announced that prisoners at two facilities in England have been granted permission to play in some online chess tournaments. Internet access is severely limited in English prisons, and in previous matches that have taken place, prisoners have had to basically have their moves done for them on a computer by a prison guard or facilitator of some description, which meant that games took too long and they lost all their games. A four-man team will play prisoners in 31 countries, including Russia, United States, Croatia, Portugal, Trinidad and Tobago. The team all come from clubs set up by UK charity Chess in Schools and Communities. The charity's chief executive is Malcolm Peen, an international master. Malcolm said, Our prison team has been preparing for six months and they are highly motivated and excited by the prospect of playing the Russians. If we get to the final, we just have to hope that the internet connections hold up. I mean, the benefits of board games are varied and it's great to see them being used in a rehabilitative manner inside prisons. Uh, we have previously covered on the cast many casts ago, I can't remember exactly which one, uh, D&D in American prisons and the length that players would go to inside the prisons to basically fashion their own sort of randomizers and all sorts of things like that. A fascinating article that we linked to. Uh, I will relink to that in the show notes because that is always worth a read. It's been a little bit of a light news this week, this week but uh, we have got an uh, interesting new poll out, don't we, Jamie? This is not the normal thing we usually cover on the podcast because part of it is flagrant self-advertising and a wee bit of a pat on the back. But we wanted to draw a little attention to the card and dice poll that was recently put together by Mark at The Thoughtful Gamer. This was inspired by the famous Sight and Sound poll, a poll in the magazine of the same name, where various critics and personalities talk about their favourite films of the year. The card and dice poll invited various folk involved in the board game industry to do the same with their favourite games of all time, including Ian McAllister. Yay! Ian took part in some very interesting answers uh, and your justifications. Very varied. There was quite a bit of crossover. It's quite interesting to see that. Yeah. And yeah, have we have we check out of it? I don't know what I'd put in my top 10 games of all time. Don't, don't ask me, Ian. I guess that's why I wasn't asked, because I don't know I, I just thought it was very interesting there was a, a, a good variety of people answered the poll and that the crossover was kind of interesting what was crossed over was kind of interesting yeah go, go and check it out and yeah do let us know what you'd like to what you'd put in your own top 10 come on our discord and have a chat about it We'd just like to give a little shout out to all our patrons, especially our newest executive producer, James Naylor. Uh, he is the creator of the Magnate board game, which we have previously previewed from the Kickstarter version. He James has been on the cast before now as well and has been interviewed by me in one of my Meeting of Minds posts. We're very grateful for James upping his pledge to executive producer level, and I'm sure he'll be giving us some notes on this one. Also, our executive producer, Sean Newman, part of the Game A Lot team, will link to all of James and Sean's bits and pieces in the show notes. You can join our Patreon for $1 a month where you get an extended version of the cast. And there are various other ways to support us, including buying dice from Metallic Dice Games. We'll put links and promo codes in the show notes. And you can get nice t-shirts from Sir Meeple. You can show your uh, allegiance to the Giant Brain or the Brainwaves podcast by getting a nice t-shirt from them. And we get a nice healthy cut of the profits. So that's a great way to support us if you'd like to. Jamie, I've had enough of the big city. I'm going to some small backwards town where nobody knows my name. Might I recommend Twin Peaks? Oh, sorry, uh, sorry, we're talking about Monopoly, aren't we? Uh, yeah. 
Shit's Creek is a fantastic TV series that Ian has written here that you should absolutely watch. Now, I, I have not watched this, so... It's great. I'll take your word for it, Ian. But if you haven't had enough of the series, you can now own it oh, in that classic form, Monopoly. It includes some of the famous locations from the show, like Bob's Garage, Rosebud Motel, and the Herb Ertlinger Winery. Six tokens included are... Oh. I'll, pronou- I'll pronounce that one for you, shall I? Bebe Crow. Bebe Crow. Patrick's Guitar, the Rosebud Motel Key, David's Sunglasses, Ted the Turtle, and Moira's Wig. I love this. I love this article because Jamie Jamie's looking extremely confused at all the things he's reading now. Which I understand. Is I understand. You know, it's it's like any intellectual property, indeed, any show that I just haven't seen and I'm not aware of. Indeed, anyone has not seen, not aware of. That remember we talked th- about Dragon Ball Z. You might not know who some of the characters are or where the locations. No, absolutely not. So I'm sitting here going, I have no idea who these people are. I know that. I think I know who Moira, the, the actress who plays her, because. It's the absolutely fantastic Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, gr- a great cast. It's a great series. Fantastic representation of LGBTQ characters in it as well. And it just it's just a really good, oddly dry American comedy series. Like, it's got a very sort of, like, weird comedic, comedic sensibility that you're not expecting from that that sort of show in America. I, I, I wasn't sure about it at first, but it is it grew on me. It's really good. Is it Canadian? No, it's in, I think it's American produced. Okay. I mean, it's certainly set in America. It's a Canadian television sitcom. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. Uh, created by Eugene Levy and his son, Dan. Yep. Oh, there you go. Yep. yep, they're both in it. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, Shit's Creek Monopoly. If you're a fan of Shit's Creek and you want to own it in Monopoly form, go ahead. I'm going to add a little thing that uh, Ian has not written down on the running order for the podcast. But a little trip for me. I was down in London this week. Uh, came back yesterday at time of recording. And I was in the British Museum. And you know, I've been there before and I think it's it's a very, let's say, interesting and uh, divisive place. But one of the things I found very interesting was they have a copy of the great game of the, sorry, they have a copy of the royal game of Ur, one of the oldest board games in the world. Now, I saw that, I think it's, it was gorgeous, gorgeous inlays, gorgeous production, gorgeous production values. Nine out of ten. Wait, I don't know. But next to it, which I missed the last time I was there, was a cuneiform tablet, which is the world's oldest board game manual. And explained how to play it and included um, betting rules for it. And funnily enough, also included a link to something called Board Game Geek, which apparently in Arata was already up there on uh, 7000 BC. <laughs> Who knows? Wow, that site's been all around longer than I thought. <laughs> I mean, you know, if there's a board game manual, nine times out of ten there's a Board Game Geek Arata qu- for it, or indeed just a question going, sorry, where can I get this? Yep. I mean, much as we sometimes criticize Board Game Geek, it is a good place to go and find PDF downloads of real books when the main sites of the publishers don't have them. We criticize a lot of things. We make fun of Mon- we make fun of Monopoly. It's a game that is, you know, <laughs> it's I mean, so many people's in, favorites in an affectionate way. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, as I, as I said before, and I will reiterate here, we rag on Monopoly a lot. 
I'm personally not a fan of it, but see if you enjoy Monopoly, fantastic. The fact that you're enjoying the game, that's the most important thing. I mean, we're probably one of the only board game podcasts to actually talk about Monopoly on a regular basis. Very regular basis. That's our USP, folks. We talk about Monopoly almost every fortnight. And if that's not slightly crushing, I don't know what is. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you listen to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're mostly active on Twitter these days. Uh, you can find our website with all our articles and the podcast at giantbrain.co.uk. You can email us about anything in the show or any stories you'd like to share at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And the best place to get in touch with us or any of our community is on our Discord, which we'll put an invite link to in the show notes. And you're very welcome along to come and hang out with us. We hope to see you there. For now, bye-bye. Bye.